Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. And now, starting this August, a new adventure from the Cellcast podcast. The Cellcast, the animated series. Throughout the month of August, Jacob and Drew will review the animated series Star Trek Lower Decks as it releases on CBS All Access. Join us, because resistance is futile. The Cellcast, the animated series. Every Tuesday on your favorite podcast catcher. New show, same RSS feed. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man whose life has been feeling a little gray lately, Jacob. Bro, you hit it right on the head with that one. Right. <laughs> Why, thank you. Like would like to introduce our co-host, a man who, I know it doesn't fit with this movie, but it fits with the setting. This is regular bone day. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> okay, I'm just going <laughs> to let that one slide. It Bits. <laughs> there are a lot of bones. Yes, there in this are. Movie. But I couldn't, the only way this I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. How are you doing today, Jacob? Man, this this has been a very interesting day. I'm not going to go into full details, um, but I had a I'd put in a request to take off for a week. It was denied for one reason or another. Not going to get into it. Uh, and so I went toy hunting uh, after I got off work, and um, that was fun. Uh, so if you want to follow my little toy adventure, go down to uh, my little toy collection eighty two on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow my little adventure there. Be like, I, I'm not buying a ton of toys. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. a a full on toy addict, toy collector yet. No. <laughs> yet. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> it's a little hard on a podcast. Yeah, my friend. <laughs> yeah. True. But either way, um, my day has been pretty good. Had a very interesting encounter with a customer who apparently was a little um, off. Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, so this customer customer question, uh, so I take her stuff out to her car. She says, put all the food in the trunk and then put everything else in the car. It's okay. Fine. Okay. So I start to go put stuff in the trunk. She's like, apparently you don't, you don't listen. Be like, I said, don't put anything in the trunk and put everything in the car. It's like, okay. And with a matter of seconds, she changes her mind. It's like, no, I want the boxes in the back. I want everything else in the front. Just slightly frustrating. Right. <laughs> but that, that was, that was like, Okay. Lord, to just take it because I'd be like, oh, pardon me, I want to snap, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Just hold me back with that one, Lord. Um, but other than that, it's it was been a pretty good day. Like I said before, did a little toy hunting to get my the the stress relief off. Funny part was because I was coming into the day, 
they started turning the lights out. <laughs> and didn't realize I was there. At work? No, at the antique shop. Oh, okay. So I'm sitting around looking at stuff and be like, oh, this is interesting here. Click, 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 click. I'm like, okay, guess that's cute to leave. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I think the only thing I bought was actually a comic book. <laughs> okay. Yeah, which it's one of those comics that it's it's got one issue, then another issue on the back. It's one of those weird ones from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only reason I bought it because the artist who did the cover, which is Joe Madarera or Joe Mad from uh, Uncanny X Men, Battle Chasers, uh, um, uh, Avenging Spider Man, Avenging uh, or Savage Wolverine, um, you know, titles like that, right? Or the the notorious one. What is that? Ultimates Three. Okay. Yeah. So. That's why I bought the cover. That's why I bought the book. Because I saw it and I was like, wow, this is the same comic my cousin had, which I loved looking at. And I was like, wait, that says Metarera on it. I'm buying it. It was only like a buck sixty. So well, there you go. Why not? So that is what my day has been like, minus having little internet issues at my house, which is via only my phone. Other than that, it's been a great day. How about you? Long and tedious. Hmm. I understand that. I, at the moment, we're kind of running low on people, and so we had uh, a lot of stuff hit at the last minute. Don't want to get too much into it because I don't want, I don't know how exactly how much I'm even allowed to share. Right. But let's just say it was bonkers there for a bit. Yeah. And I'm still behind because I'm actually having, well... I, that that machine will only print so much in a day, mm-hmm. and they're wanting more than it can print. I got gotcha. you. So I'm doing my best to keep up, trying to doing some creative things to get what needs to be printed. I got gotcha. you. Printed, what doesn't need to be printed immediately, hold off for a while. It's it's hard to keep it straight, Understood. and it does not help that our lead is out this week. So mm. yeah. I'm kind of been going cuckoo for cocoa puffs, but I'm I understand sure you, that, brother. I understand. Yeah, different stresses, but still stressful. Both the same Ex- between exactly. for both of us. Exactly. So yeah. So Jacob, what have you been watching besides Captain Idiot? Okay. So let me pull up my letterbox because that's always a great place to go. Because if you didn't know, we both have letterboxes, and mm-hmm. that, that's a very if you're a movie buff. And you want to keep track of your uh, your movies and your favorites and get hooked into your community? Yeah. It's a good app to go to. So go check it out. I'm at GGeorge759. He's at... Uh, Jacob B. Heron. All right. Yeah. I'm very simple in that, that perspective. <laughs> I had a login name from way back that I've used ever since, uh-huh. except I've shortened it because I got tired of typing out the word gargling. Yeah. That's why it's G. George, because I was known as Gargling George for a while. Okay. All right. So, the movies I have watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking on my letterbox, uh, I have watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street from 1985, 1984. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed it, because it, if you've ever watched the original Nightmare for Elm Street, not the remake, not new, not new Nightmare, not Freddy vs. Jason, the original the Jason versus Freddy? Freddy versus Jason. I was being facetious. I know. <laughs> but 
the tension is like very much like you would t- like a tension ratchet. Be like it's just minus its nails against metal or chalk or something like that the entire time. Right. And it's just like ratcheting the entire time. And uh, it's it's built with a lot of suspense, a lot of it's okay. What's going to happen? Even though it's it's you know it's made, made in eighty four, it's still a really really good movie. And yeah, it's a horror film, and a lot of people don't like horror. Uh, Me, yeah, this guy. I'm um, being forced to watch a lot of it though recently. Right. Uh, but I I do like the the subtle elements within these films. They're really good. They're. Um, Definitely how Wes... What is it? It's not Wes Craven. Yeah, Wes Craven did uh, did this movie. There there are little parts here and there. Be like, this is Johnny Depp's first movie, which is ironically the a movie we're reviewing that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched that, and then I watched Pacific Rim from 2013. I'm surprised you hadn't seen this before, and yet I'm also not. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. I I don't picture this as your kind of movie. No, it wasn't. Like kaiju's versus mechs, as as yeah, I described. Power Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers, pretty much. <laughs> Be like, I'm not saying I didn't like Power Rangers. I loved Power Rangers when I was a kid. Who didn't? Yeah, exactly. Um, but like I enjoyed. It. I described it from a friend. Be like, it's cheesy action fun, which is usually co- uh, code for great fun time at at the end of the week for me. Yeah, pretty much. Because I like that kind of crap. Yeah, I, I wasn't the hugest fan because it's Gilmore Del Toro being Gilmore Del Toro. Be like, his his vision is all over this film. Mm-hmm. And I love it that it's an original story, but it's all those original cliches. Like, all over. Nothing, be like, it's an original story, but it's all the classic cliches of everything in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, it wasn't avatar james cameron avatar be like it had more it had an original story but i couldn't get engaged with the story or couldn't get invested in the characters it's like okay i know what's gonna happen (laughs) be like it's be like it's telegraphing itself you know 40 miles out and you see it coming it's like oh this guy's gonna do this oh they're gonna do this big thing oh they're gonna do this it's like Okay, do something different, please. But um, I know a lot of people love this film. It's just not the film for me. So, yeah. So what have you been watching? Well, interesting little uh, piece of trivia. Okay. You mentioned Guillermo del Toro. Yes. A minute ago. Did you know that the uh, little girl from uh, Pan's Labyrinth, you know, that was all done in Spanish, I think? Yeah. That girl could not say Guillermo del Toro's name. Really? So he gave her permission to call him Guillermo del Totoro. Guillermo del Totoro? She could say Totoro. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, that, that name is a hard name for me to say sometimes. Guillermo del Toro. Toro is not too bad. No. Guillermo? Guillermo. Guillermo. That guy needs a new name. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say he needs a new name. It's a very unique name. <laughs> it is a very unique name. And no one will forget him. At the same time, I can't say his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I've been watching. What you did fail to mention along with Captain Idiot, as we keep calling True. it. True. Um, Thank you. I the, forgot about that. The irresponsible Captain Tyler. Tyler. We also watched a anime the other night oh, called yeah. 
uh, I nearly want to say Pussycat Dolls. That is not no. the name of that show. Gunsmith Cats. Gunsmith Cats. <laughs> yes. And Which was all... on my recommendation. Yes. I, I loved it. I didn't it. even know you knew it. Essentially, it's an OVA series. Yeah. Uh, anime mm-hmm. uh, about these two girls who are gunsmiths and and they blow get, things up pretty much. It was they kind drive of a, very awesome cars. <laughs> you can't really say no to a, a Carol Shelby uh, Mustang Cobra. No, you can't. From the early nineties, that looks sweet. Yes, anyway, it does. even if it was drawn, it's very it's drawn very accurately. Yes. But and that hear great. that puppy purr? Oh, oh my yes. gosh! Yes, but it was that was pretty. Um, yes. Also, we watched something called Noir. Yeah, Noir. That was different. It was different. It wasn't really my sort of thing. Exactly. But it wasn't bad. Um, other than that, and of course, Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lower Decks. That uh, was hilarious. Also, watched for the first time Alien Cubed. I mean Alien 3, but it's the way it's written, it looks <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's Alien Cubed. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the notorious uh, hatred, I think, that Jacob has. Not that I feel too much better about it, but not to get too far into that, because if you want to hear more on that, check out the episode of Movie of the Week podcast yeah. whenever it comes out, because we're recording that this week. Yeah. Along with Tenet. Yeah, so um, go check that out. Yeah, go check that out when it comes out. Also, what else have I watched? Well, I watched the trailer for the new character at being added to Super Smash Brothers. It yeah. came out last Thursday. Minecraft Steve. Yeah, I heard about that. That character, believe it or not, might be the most overpowered character in the game. Okay. This is a game with 80 plus characters in it. Yeah, so far. So far. Yeah, there's four more. They're adding. They're adding four more? Still adding four more. There's four more on the DLC list. Oh, wow. And they're all getting stages, too. Along with Steve. Uh, well, Steve, Alex, Zombie, and Enderman. That is a funny trailer, and you really need to go watch it. Okay. It is uh, It is the most ridiculous thing. Because here's the thing. Uh, if you've ever seen Minecraft, you know it's, just, it's blocky. Yeah. And a lot of times with other places that are kind of using minecraft uh, or uh, they're licensing the minecraft stuff yeah they always kind of do this kind of they, they keep the blocky appearance but there's almost too much movement and detail in the way the characters move yeah it's like especially if you see the uh i think it's dungeon mode or adventure mode yeah that uh one that telltale games made mm-hmm. the models are almost too rubbery okay in this game, it was so accurate that they actually had to put a disclaimer on the screen that says, you are currently looking at Super Smash Brothers footage, not Minecraft. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it looks exactly like it in all the ways that it's weird that it looks like it. Things that you would think, there's no way someone would put something that looks that cheesy on screen. Well, it's there. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, literally, the way Steve walks, he's got kind of a... The way the animation goes in Minecraft. Yeah. There's... When he turns, there's a bit of a... Of a lag during the turning animation before his legs start moving. Mm-hmm. They copied that. Really? Yes. They didn't have to. They did. They spent so much detail to make it look 
like Minecraft that despite the fact it doesn't fit with the general look of anything else except for possibly Mr. Game and Watch. Wow, okay. That it, it, it kind of just... It, what one comment I kept seeing over and over again says this looks fake in a good way. Okay. That's the thing. It looked like someone had made this up, but yet it's real and it's actually there and it's coming out this weekend. Really? Yeah. So I watched that both the the reveal trailer and uh, them showing off the stage and the characters and all mm-hmm. that, that they showed Saturday. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I've watched. Okay. And of course, I did some streaming uh, on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Played a little bit more of Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm probably going to keep that going, but I kind of want to mix up my play a little bit. So yeah. I might try some different stuff here in the next couple weeks. Thinking of a certain property that keeps coming up week after week after week. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Play through that, but that none of that will be this weekend because I'm busy. So, yeah, that's been my okay entertainment of the week. Ah, what do we got in the news? All right, so news is actually relatively light for this week. For what is I could find. Now you might have some. Like, I don't my, like mind blowing news I didn't know about. I don't know of anything. All right. All right. So, news. Uh, this might be interesting. May not be interesting to you because I know you don't like this franchise. All right. G Kids, the acclaimed producers and distributor of animation for adult and family entertainment, announced. It has acquired the North American theatrical home video and EST rights to the critically acclaimed Neon Genesis Evangelion, including the landmark deal, including the landmark bill as the original 26 episode TV series, as well as the the films Death, Death True 2, and the end of Evangelion. Except. What do you mean I don't like it? I just haven't gotten into it. <laughs> well, I remember you just you just either way. I'm just saying it's a lot of orange juice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of orange juice. I agree with you on that. I'm trying to keep it far enough away you can be heard, but it can't exactly. be copywritten. Exactly. Quiet. Yeah, just like for for me, I really, really, really enjoyed the series when it first came out. I mean, if I have the theme song on my phone. Yeah, exactly. Kind of means I kind of like something about yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good theme song. I, I completely agree True. With you on that. Yeah. It's it's a hard series to get into. Let's say that. I, I know. A, it's just the most pretentious anime that's ever been written. That's all. Okay. And I, tell I, me I'm wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. The only thing more pretentious is Fooly Cooly, uh, which we will have to do at some point. Yes. Yeah, because cool. I want just because I want to torture you. <laughs> I've seen Fooly Cooly, and you know how torturous it can be. That is true. That is very true. Uh, I know of. A, a good friend of ours who is actually in the chat um, does not like Evangelion at all. I, I understand his reasons. He's given his reasons before. But just to uh, round it out, all three properties will be released on Blu-ray. Thank you. And digital uh, download to your own devices in 2020. 2021. Now, sorry. Last time I read the, inf- the information on this, it stated it was, it did not say which English dub yeah. it was using. Please use the original. <laughs> I mean, they really should put both on yeah. there. If we're Agreed. being honest, they should yeah, be both. I would, I would agree with you on that. But 
it might just be the Netflix dub, which will make me go bleh. Yeah, that's true. I didn't mind the Netflix dub, but yeah. I'd like to point out it didn't keep me. I got gotcha. you. Couldn't keep you in. It couldn't keep you engaged. I got gotcha. you. Well, admittedly, at this point, what's going to keep me engaged is when we are watch. We probably will watch it eventually mm-hmm. for the animated series because I can't imagine you're oh, not going to want to put that on oh, there at some point. Yeah, <laughs> just like some other stuff I want to put on there at some point. Uh huh. So, good plug. Keep an be- eye out for that. Yeah, so if you like if you like what you're listening here, minus not the live thing right now, right? Uh, go check out our uh, our current series we're working on is uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, mm-hmm. which is our part of our uh, the Cellcast the animated series. Which same, comes, it's the same podcast feed. The movie ones come through, so yeah, you probably have already seen it and wondering what on earth that is and why the logo is different. Yeah, so go check that out. And when we're done with that, we'll we'll announce what movie what what we're doing next. What we're doing next, and yeah, two uh, more episodes because we're a week behind. Yeah, that is true. Either way, so go check that out. It will be the next episode we're recording. I gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. The gotcha. release is two weeks behind. Gotcha. All right, so that is all I have in the news. Okay. Unless someone down in the chat has something else, but either way. Either way, let's go ahead and move into our spoiler-free review of the movie Corpse Bride. I yes. know he just said Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, because that's what it says on my case over there. Uh-huh. But Corpse Bride. Yeah. The animation on this movie is extremely smooth. Yeah, like incredibly smooth. Yes, yeah, especially for the time, and I know why that is. Yeah. Do you know why that is? No, I do not. So... We have reviewed, I think, only, what, three stop-motion animation films on this podcast? Let's see. We did... We did Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Oh, we technically also did... Well, no, Wallace and Gromit was not... Was, no. Was not, because... That's no, it was. It was stop-motion. Okay, Wallace was, and Gromit was that's more right. claymation, but yeah. it's still technically stop-motion. That is true. So we got those two, plus we did... Uh, Kubo. Kubo and the Two Strings, and then this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's four of them. Oddly enough, they're all like a... Except, except for Wallace, Wallace and Gromit. Gromit. And technically, Nightmare Before Christmas. That is true. Because that was before so Laika. Two. Never mind. Yeah. Only two of them have been Laika. So, the one that's before this is Nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare was filmed, of course, on film. Yeah. So, they actually had to uh, advance the film to... And then, every time they wanted to take a shot of it. Yeah. Starting with this movie, Leica switched to a little something called digital cameras. Specifically, Canon DSLRs. Really? As in a fancier version of what's in that box over there. Ah, okay. They literally just took a still shot of everything with a a very fancy version of a DSLR. It's it's, the $2,000, $3,000 models, not the stuff you buy at Wally. Yeah. But... um, that's what they used to shoot the thing with. Okay. And I think the reason it is so smooth because of that is because with the... Uh, I think you ha- the ability to use a remote mm-hmm. helped a lot. Yeah. Plus, you don't have several large fans shaking the camera like you would have with Nightmare. True. And plus, you could probably do more shots with the digital than you could with the film. Because with the film, yeah. you were limited to, was it 27? Yeah, it's 27. 27 shots per second. Yeah. With this one, they could do however many they wanted. Exactly. 
and I have a feeling they did 60 so they could come and bring it back down to 32 where it would look this smooth. Yeah. Maybe not be 60, but exactly. so it looks very smooth for what it is. That's true. And f- it's weird to be talking about this part in the spoiler-free section. I don't know why I brought it up now, but... Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk about there. Also, um, the first time I saw this movie was about 10 years ago on Netflix. Okay. And I it was, I actually saw this before I saw Nightmare. Interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. I didn't remember a thing about it afterwards. Okay. Until we re- went and rewatched it for this. So okay. I, I knew it had Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. and I knew it had Helena Bottom Carter because it was a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and... I knew it had Christopher Lee in a weird role, but that's about all I yeah. remembered. And I remember thinking the beginning of this movie is kind of boring and then it kind of gets fun. And then I fell asleep because it was, it was midnight. Okay. It wasn't that I fell asleep and the movie was not good. For right. Francisco. <laughs> I might be, it might be a shout out to another podcast there. Yeah. Just, just but, a little bit. Uh, I, did, I fell asleep because I was tired, and I just never got around to rewatching the movie until now. Okay. So, yeah, that's my spoiler-free thoughts. If you haven't seen it, go get and you liked Nightmare Before Christmas, Yeah. go watch this. You'll enjoy it. Okay. So, you did mention another 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 movie, Night, A Nightmare Before Christmas. We did we did a review over that, so mm-hmm. go check that into the feed. Last year. Last year. During October. Yeah. So, go check it out. Really good movie. Along with uh, our reviews for... Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings earlier this year, yeah. and uh, Wallace, and, Wallace Gromit. and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, right before this one. Right before a Nightmare. Yeah, right before Nightmare. So, m- this is the first time for me watching it. I actually bought it off Amazon. It came in, I watched it that night, and I'm just like, whoa! It's me, like, like you said, the fact that be like you watch A Nightmare Before Christmas, and then you watch Corpse Ride, is wow and there's only one movie in between of that production company yeah and that was james and the giant peach really yeah that is the same production company that did nightmare but yeah. technically they weren't formed until okay james, so, I yeah think. They, they were they were not formed as like a yet <laughs> i don't think they were formed as like actually till this movie more i think about it but okay. still okay but be like there, there's we'll look there, that up though while we're talking. There, there are there are so many uh, things you can say about this film. Uh, it's an it was an enjoyable watch that just um, like with atmosphere and just the cinematography moves will be like very likened to uh, no pun intended on that to uh, nightmare. Just like your cinemat where you're you're pulling into like really really tight frames, and I think at one point they they used a. Uh, a camera literally they can get on the ground with and just like incredible i might be thinking of another film but i think this is the film that i'm referring to just incredible film incredible film incredible the just an enjoy to watch enjoyable watch that was incredibly creepy okay good just pointing out like a technically had nothing to do with James and the Giant Peach or uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. My apologies. The only thing they have in common is Tim Burton was involved. Okay. Because uh, Laika did not 
really exist as a feature film company until they uh oh this was their first contract work they did for warner brothers oh okay they did not start making their own movies until Coraline. Oh, okay. Which is another film we're going to have to watch. Two weeks, I believe. That is right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, um, to me, incredibly well done film. Uh, we'll get into our likes and dislikes. Uh, on momentarily. Others, momentarily on the other side. Um, creepy atmosphere to this movie. It's be supposed like, to, well, it is a Tim Burton movie. That that is true. That is so true. It'd be like it just be like you you do the comparison between Nightmare and Corpse is just oh yeah night and day. I mean, admittedly, Tim Burton could do a version of Gumby that would be creepy. Yeah, which wait, that really that that's not saying much more. I think about it. No, be like didn't he maybe My Little Pony? Yeah, or Dumbo. Don't he did Dumbo? He did Dumbo. I didn't see it, but yeah, he I did it. See, yep. I have it. Yeah, I have it too. I haven't seen it yet. And before you ask why we bought movies we haven't seen, it kind of was sent to us without our knowledge. Disney Movie Club. Via Disney Movie Club. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, either way, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I can't wait to get into the likes and dislikes about this film. Indeed. So why don't we go ahead and jump towards that on the other side of our intermission. All right. Great. Okay. This podcast is a part of Christian Reek Central Network. Hey, Scoop, what are you doing, man? I don't know. I'm supposed to be reading an ad. All right, hold on. Give me, give me it. Okay. All right. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. There you can find a collection of blogs and podcasts working together to bring you some of the best content on the web for Christian geeks, such as the Theology Gaming Podcast. The Theology Gaming Podcast endeavors to seek out conversations with Christians in gaming culture, the games industry, and even people who disagree with us. Hosted by Zachary Oliver, self-proclaimed editor-in-chief of Theology Gaming, the show varies in topics from theology represented from the mechanics of games to critical examinations of video games through a decidedly Christ-centered lens. Sometimes, though, we just talk about video games. It all boils down to our community and the games that allow us to share our experiences. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Corpse Bride. Listener discretion is advised. Corpse Bride was directed by Tim Burton and Mike Johnson. Tim Burton also directed Sweeney Todd and the first two of the Batman movies in the 80s. Mike Johnson directed something called Ping Pong Rabbit and the PJs. Interesting. Yes. Tim Burton also helped write this film. Mm -hmm. He also wrote Edward Scissorhands and Frankenweenie. Yeah. Also writing was Carlos Grangle, in which this is his only writing credit. For the most part, he has just done animation. Hmm. Uh, Department is what's listed on his IMDb. Also, John August, who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Titan A.E. Hmm. And Caroline Caroline Thompson, who wrote The Nightmare Before Christmas and The Addams Family, the new one. Oh, okay. Also, Pamela Petler, who did Monster House and The Addams Family. Hmm. I'm seeing a theme here. The composer was Danny Elfman, who, along with event, uh, doing the music for Avengers Age of Ultron, The Nightmare Before Christmas, also did Mr. Peabody and Sherman, uh, of all things. Huh. 
That was a good movie. Mm-hmm. The cast includes Johnny Depp as Victor Van Dort. Uh, he played Edward Ratchet in Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh-huh. And many uh, and, and uh, Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Among many other roles. Yes. Including, what was that role you said earlier? A Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes. Well, who did he play in Nightmare on uh, Elm Street? Glenn. He played Glenn. Glenn. Okay. He, he, he was the... I'm not going to go into the spoilers of the movie. Just go watch it. It's a really good he movie. He played Glenn. Just he played bear Glenn. that in mind. He played Heather's boyfriend. That died in the first act, I'm thinking? No. Okay. I've never watched it. Yeah. It's a good movie. Go watch it. Okay. Helena Bonham Carter plays the Corpse Bride, a.k.a. Emily. Mm-hmm. She was Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. And Bellatrix Lestrange in Harry Potter. Yes. She killed that role. Killed it. <laughs> Emily Watson plays Victoria Everglot. And uh, in the movie The Kingsman, The Golden Circle, she played Chief of Staff Fox. That is the the one that the president... that. that we find find out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, had ta- had done the oh, marijuana yeah. and yeah. was starting to get froze up, and so the president sent her to uh, Dallas Cowboy Stadium to get locked yeah. up. Yeah, I hate that movie for a myriad of reasons. Go check out that episode of Movie of the Week podcast. Yes. find out why. Yes, Tracy Ullman plays Nell Van Dort and Hildegard. Mm. She played the character of Latrine in Robin Hood Men in Tights, mm. and the character of Grecklin, the pawn shop owner in Onward. Oh, okay. Paul Whitehouse played William Van Dort and Mayhew and Paul the head waiter in this one. Uh, He was also Thackeray in Alice Through the Looking Glass and Anastas McCoyan in The Death of Stalin. I still need to watch that movie considering that that movie name keeps coming up in these. It sounds like a very funny comedy. Joanna Lumley played Maudlin Everglot. And she played, and she didn't have much, but she did play Aunt Emma in The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Albert Finney plays Finnis Everglot. He was Kincaid in Skyfall. Okay. Hercule Poirot in the 1974 Murder on the Orient oh, Express. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, Richard E. Grant plays Barkus Bittern, and he was General Pride in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay. Interesting. Christopher Lee plays Pastor Galwells. Galswells. I probably said that wrong. He was Count Dooku and Darth Tyrannus in Star Wars. Saruman in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun. I think you're forgetting one very important one. Is it involve a thing that comes up every week? No. Okay, what am I missing? Count Dracula. He is Count Dracula, yes, in yes. many things. I did mm-hmm. forget that. My apologies. Um, Michael Gow plays Elder Gooknecht. Gooknecht. And he was Alfred Pennyworth in the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher Batman movies. I, Oh, yes. <laughs> I, remember, I remember seeing the, the uh, behind the scenes. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Alfred. Yeah. Jane Horrocks played the Black Widow Spider and Mrs. Plum. Mm-hmm. And in the movie Chicken Run, she played Babs. 
Okay, never that, saw it. That's a movie we are going to have to do because yes. it's one of my favorites. Ah. And apparently there's a sequel coming out, I found out, because she's reprising her role. Say what? <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna, how they're going to make that a, a, a sequel, but considering how it ends, but we'll see. Mm. Ein Reitel played the maggot and town crier. Uh, he was Nestor and Mr. Crabtree in The Adventures of Tintin. And in Final Fantasy VII Remake, he played Deputy Mayor Hart. Oh, okay. Deep Roy played General Bones Apart. He was the all of the Oompa Loompas in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And Keenzer in the Abrams vs. Star Trek trilogy. Huh. Danny Elfman has a cameo as Bone Jangles. He was also the singing voice of Jack Skellington in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Stephen Ballantyne plays Emil, and he played a German broadcaster in the much underrated, in my opinion, movie Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Ah. And Lisa Kay played a solemn village boy, and she played Eleanor Ross Heaney in Bridget Jones' Diary, which I haven't watched the movie. Mm-hmm. I listed it because literally it was the only thing I saw that I recognized the name of. I gotcha. And of course, now that we're at the end of this list, I have to bring up our Kingdom Hearts connections for this movie. Figures. Christopher Lee plays the characters of Diz and Ansem the Wise. Mm. And you have to say, when you deal with the Ansems, you do have to specify which one. Yeah. But also, uh, and that was in Kingdom Hearts, Chain of Memories, 358 over two days, Mm -hmm. and Kingdom Hearts 2. Somebody plays him else after that because he died. <laughs> yeah, sad. But also, in Rytel, replaced the original Scrooge McDuck for Kingdom Hearts 3. Really? Yes. In other words, the maggot from this movie played, played Scrooge Scro- McDuck. Played Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts 3. He doesn't do that good a job as Scrooge McDuck. They should have just got David Tennant. Exactly. <laughs> They should have just gone ahead and upgraded him, and we would have been fine. Yeah, just get a little timey-wimey in there, you'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> it's bad enough we lost the original guy, whose name I can't remember, but yeah. the, the guy they got does not work. <laughs> okay. And that brings me to the end of my list. What do you, we got in info and stuff? All right, so let me... So, info and stuff. So, as as of right now, if you're, one, if you're subscribed to anything, you can't technically stream uh, on any kind of you can't if you are part of Hulu Premium you can stream Corpse Bride other than that on all of their platforms it's $3.99 so that's it's that's not a bad price no it's not it's, although it's, didn't I see YouTube was like $2.99 it could have been I, I think, might have looked over wrong it's that's fine I just thought I remembered seeing it was a dollar cheaper okay all right, so... If you want to watch on YouTube. Yeah, if you want to watch on YouTube. At least when you pay for it, you don't have to pay for... You don't get uh, ads. True. All right, so... Unlike Hulu. Yeah, Hulu, you do get ads. Which is a pain in the neck, but... C'est la vie. Yeah. All right, so on IMDb, it has a 7.3 out of 10. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is an 84 score. Uh, so getting into production... It was done by Tim Burton Production, Liking Entertainment, and Parallax 2 Productions. Distributed by, obviously, Warner Brothers. Alright, so release date. 
It actually has three release dates. Oddly enough. All right, so... Not really. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, North so... North America, Europe, Japan. All right, so let me ask you a question. Okay. Where do you think it first premiered? Europe. Close, but where? Britain. London. Nope. <laughs> Somewhere on the European subcontinent. You're, you're right about that. <laughs> Venice. Okay, that, that's just been the first uh, film festival that popped. That was uh, available yeah, the when Venice, they got it done. The Venice Film Festival, film festival, film uh, festival. All right, it start. Uh, it start. It uh, started or was shown first on September seventh, two thousand five, in Venice. It was then shown September twenty third in the United States, and oddly enough, the UK only got it in October thirteenth of two thousand five. Hmm. Weird, right? Yeah. Release schedules are a pain in the neck sometimes. All right, so box office. Admittedly, with the film festival, that's a single showing, and then it got released elsewhere. Yeah. But, yeah. That's true. All right, so going on to box office and budget. It had an estimated budget of $40 million. Its opening U.S. weekend was $388.1 thousand dollars that's barely bad let's say that mm-hmm. but this was on the 18th on the 18th of september it's u.s gross made up for that right was 50 53.3 million dollars so worldwide gross 118.90 million dollars yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's definitely it definitely made its budget back up. Oh yeah. So yeah, I definitely say it was a success. I didn't really go into critic reviews because that just kind of skews my viewpoint in the film. So if you want to find out about that, go check it out somewhere, probably on IMDb. Yes. All right. So that's all we got for info and stuff. Moving on into the summary. In a small European village, somewhere in the, sometime between the 17 and 1800s, Victor van Dort, the son of wealthy fish merchants, and Victoria Everglot, the neglected daughter of impoverished aristocrats, prepares for their arranged marriage, which will simultaneously raise the social class of Victor's parents and restore the wealth of Victoria's mm-hmm. family. Although both fall in love with each other, Victor ruins their wedding rehearsal by forgetting his vows and acting clumsily, accidentally settling Mrs. Everglot's dress of fire. Oh, that's all Fleeing to the nearby forest in embarrassment, he practices his vows with a tree and places his wedding rings on what he thinks is a root. (laughs) However, the the root is revealed to be the finger of a dead woman named Emily, Mm. who rises from the grave claiming that she is now Victor's wife and spirits him away to the land of the dead. During his time with her, Victor learns that Emily was pitilessly murdered years ago by an unnamed perpetrator on the night she was she secretly eloped with him bringing with her some family belongings which he stole desperate to reunite with victoria victor tricks emily into returning to the land of the living by claiming he wants her to meet her his parents emily brings victor to see elder gooknecht the kindly ruler of the underworld who grants them temporary passage to the land of the living Victor asks Emily to wait in the forest before he reunites with Victoria and confesses his wish to marry her as soon as possible. Before the pair can share a kiss, Emily discovers them and drags Victor back to the land of the dead. 
feeling betrayed and hurt. Victoria quickly tries to tell her parents of Victor's situation, but neither believe her and assume he has left her. Against her will, they decide to marry her to the presumed wealthy visitor named Lord Barkus Bittern, who mm -hmm. appears at the wedding rehearsal. After reconciling with Emily, Victor learns of Victoria's impending marriage to Barkus from his family's newly deceased coachman. Mm. Upset over this news, Victor decides to marry Emily, learning that this will require him to repeat his wedding vows in the land of the living and drink a deadly poison in order to join her in death. The dead swiftly prepare for the ceremony and head up to the land of the living, where the town erupts into temporary panic upon their arrival until everyone recognizes their loved ones among the dead, and they have a joyous reunion. In the chaos caused by their arrival, a panicked Barkus exposes his intentions to marry Victoria for her supposed wealth, leading her to reject him. Victoria arrives at Victor and Emily's wedding as Victor completes his vows and prepares to drink the poison, only for Emily to stop him when she realizes she is denying Victoria a chance to live happily with him. Just as Emily tries to rekindle Victor and Victoria's relationship, Barkus arrives to kidnap Victoria, causing Emily to recognize him as her previous fiancé and murderer. Victor duels with Barkus to rescue Victoria, whereupon Emily intercedes to save Victor's life. Barkus mockingly toasts Emily for dying unwed and unwittingly drinks the poison that Victor nearly took, causing him to die, which allows the dead, who cannot interfere in the land in the affairs of the living, to take retribution against him for his crimes. Emily, now released from her torment, frees Victor of his vow to marry her and returns his ring to him, allowing him to marry Victoria. As she exits the church, she throws her wedding bouquet to Victoria and then proceeds to fade away into the hundreds of butterflies into the, in the moonlight as Victor and Victoria watch on in each other's embrace. Huh. So, Jacob, what is your first like for this movie? Oh... I'm gonna say it. The atmosphere in this film, mm -hmm. the, the the sheer atmosphere, because you you go off what because I haven't seen James the Giant Peach yet. Neither have I. Okay, so going off a Nightmare Before Christmas, that movie is incredible. is an incredible work of masterpiece mm -hmm. that should be watched by everybody. This just cranks it up eleven. Just like like you said in the beginning, be like they went from analog to digital. Yeah, and so you are getting a crisper image. You're getting more clarity. You're getting um, more frames per second, and then you're dealing with all the effects in this film. Be mm -hmm. like you're talking wind, fire, water, um, and I'll I'll come back to another one with a uh, wind uh, wind aspect and um, shadow puppetry for a short bit. Yes. Yeah, Really? I didn't know that. That part when they're showing uh, how she died? Oh, yeah. That is shadow puppetry. Because oh. that's not done with uh, with with models. Okay, I didn't you, know that. It's too smooth to have been done even... Even as smooth as the rest of this movie looks, yeah. that looks, that part looks even smoother. Yeah. Which tells me it's either animation or it's shadow puppetry. Yeah. I'm preparing to say it's shadow puppetry. Okay. So, just to say this would be like... The, the animation is smooth, so smooth, it's almost criminal. Yes. Like a smooth criminal? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Took me a second on that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I I thoroughly enjoy it. And the animation, like atmosphere animation a little bit, just loved it. It was so good. What's your number one? My number one is the simple fact that the quote-unquote 
real world, a.k.a. what the mm-hmm. summary kept calling the land of the living, was black and white uh-huh. without actually being black and white. There was so much desaturation that, yeah, you could see color and stuff, but it really felt like this very drab, very dull mm-hmm. world, which is nice when you compare it to the land of the dead, which is all bright colors and wackiness and zaniness. True. And it gives you the feeling of... It gives you a nice... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Don't know. Contrast. Contrast. There we it's go. a nice contrast between the two. And what's weird is as the movie goes on, they slowly merge to the point where when we actually see Barkus yeah. die yes. and turn into the Such zombie form, mm-hmm. it's done so well. There's no cut. Yeah. I know it's... Um, I know that it's stop motion. Yeah. And so changing it from the white... See, here's the thing. I don't think it's... I don't think they mess with the color yeah. in the camera setting. Mm-hmm. I think that's just what color the models are. Yeah. Because it looks too good to be uh, messed with digitally yeah. for those things. But when it moves from his quote-unquote real-world look to his corpse dead look, yeah, it's like... Oh my! And yeah. Now, admittedly, you do not. You, you do get the that turn and reveal to see he's now dead. So we don't yeah. actually get to see the skin color change, yeah. which is disappointing. And maybe that was just a touch more technical than they could do. Maybe they could do it, and they really wanted the more dramatic reveal. Either way, I yeah. kind of it's it is cool that that is a single continuous shot. Which uh, was really interesting. And I just... The whole... The way it would switch back and forth, you'd get... It, it's just so... How, how it's done is so well because... You get, like I said, that dull gray... Yeah. Wash over the beginning of it. And then with the other one, of course, you get the full color, which is more of a neon color. But after the Land of the Dead is shown off the mm-hmm. first time... Yeah. When we go back to the real world, the night sky mm-hmm. is so blue. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. For the whole part of this movie. Oh, yeah. It's it gorgeous. It stands out in a beautiful way, especially once that full moon comes up. Yeah. And let's and let's face it, that last scene where she's dissipate turning it uh, dissipating into oh, the yeah, absolutely is beautiful oh yeah incredible it's incredibly beautiful and it's like that is the money shot of this movie oh yeah because that's obviously where all that, that hey that had to be incredibly expensive and incredibly hard to do oh, in yeah. the first place but that is definitely the money shot for yeah, this that, movie all that is and i love layers. how they're going out with a bang in only a way people who understand the animation understands how big an accomplishment that oh, scene is yeah, absolutely because i admit when I first watched it, before I really knew much about stop motion, admittedly in a half-sleep haze, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't recognize how cool that was. Yeah. And I watched it this time and go, <laughs> this they did this in 2005? Uh-huh. How? <laughs> you can't do this in stop motion in 2005 and it look great. 
and admittedly i wouldn't be surprised if that sky was a digital composite i would i just wouldn't be surprised by this but yeah it still is there, there's a lot of compositing there's a lot there has to be but i mean yeah. it is beautiful mm-hmm. it is downright beautiful and i i just love how the overall feel with the essentially the dusty feel of the beginning when you get right down to it oh yeah till uh everything else the whole thing is just a beautifully animated and beautiful looking film even if i'm not a fan of tim burton tim burton's art but anyway what is your second like my second like would be uh emily or the the corpse bride Mm -hmm. um her veil yes like her oh my I'm still baffled how they did that. I know, understand it's compositing, and the 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 way they described it on the documentary, the documentary or the behind the scenes stuff, is like they they took months trying to figure out how to do this veil, and it turns out they actually they were doing guidelines the entire time, like it, like moving it so yeah. It was just be like when you watch it, it's. Mm-hmm. Be like, this has to be digital, but yeah. it's not. Well, that's the thing. I actually did some research on it. Ninety percent of the CG yeah. that was done in this movie, ninety mm-hmm. percent was t- covering up the guidelines. Yeah, that's what most. Of, there's a few things in the backgrounds where they have like bats or stuff fly over or whatever. Yeah, that's CG, but the rest of it is all pure. Is is just taking out the guidelines to make it cleaner. Absolutely. And that's why it looks so good. Absolutely. They photoshopped this thing to heck. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's just so... And it works. Oh, yeah. The... And like you said, the, the contrast between the, the land of the living and the land of the dead is so vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like, you have... It's like you're in the real world, but it feels like you're dead. It's It's got that... Uh, Oh, it's just like noir, but it's yeah, it's you know like decaying and everything. But when you hop into the the land of the dead, everything's vibrant, and like uh, yeah, like uh, Kubo in a way. Yeah, it's it's got that same vibe, but it's not as it's not as vibrant. But it's got the same feel, mm-hmm. and that'll hop into my third like when we get to it. Okay, what is your my second like? Second like, my second like. You brought up the corpse bride a minute ago yes and i do like the look of the corpse bride i think it's very well done oh char- yeah designed character her initial rising from the oh grave my gosh yes is simultaneously beautiful mm-hmm. and creepy and scary oh. Oh, at the yeah. exact same time it's like oh my goodness yeah my heart jumped when i saw it. i was like oh my oh wow they're doing that like, that is, if I was a little kid in the theaters, I would be screaming my little head off. Because that's the thing. At, at one point, if you take away the fact that it's a corpse, yeah. it's actually kind of pretty. Yeah. It's beautiful how, how she comes up, says, I do, despite the fact he didn't ask her a question that that would well, be he, an answer well, to. Well, in his defense, he thought it was a branch. Mm, true, but he didn't say, will you marry me? Yeah. Or, or And she did not give her vow... That is true. For her to say that. Very true. She just comes up, which that part is weird, but at the same time, um, you take that part away, it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of beautiful. She's rising up to meet the man she thinks is her husband. Yeah. Um, it's kind of pretty. And then you get the fact that it's a corpse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 
she's coming to get him and it's scaring the ever living daylights out of him. I think that would Almost be anybody. <laughs> yes. And it's like, oh my word. It's like, okay, as a single man, this is not how I want to meet my wife. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful shot. It's one, it's, I would call this the second money shot of the movie. Yeah. Because if you do not get her introduction right, yeah, you are pretty much not gonna have a good movie. Yeah, and they got her introduction perfect. Exactly. And I like how and that's a, with a lot of horror style movies mm-hmm. or ghost story style movies. I should yeah. say you would by this by the time she shows up, they would have told you the whole story about her background and all this other stuff. Oh yeah. So you're prepared for when it comes. You're just waiting for her to come up. In this movie, you get, we're getting married. Yay. Hey. Oh, I'm clumsy. I'm going to screw up the vows because I because because uh, Saruman is telling me how I should be. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because how, how, this is after Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Saruman is telling me my wedding vows and getting mad at me. I wonder why I'm scared. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> to running off this... And it's, and, you're all, by the time he gets to the forest, uh-huh. you almost forget what movie you're watching. Yeah, in a you way. You forget the movie you're watching is called The Corpse Bride. Yeah. Because you're thinking, oh, he's running after the forest. And, and, and at some point, you're going, this is weird for a kid's movie. Yeah. And then he starts getting into the wedding vows, and then she shows up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know what movie I'm watching now. <laughs> this is making me poop my pants. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's just done so well. They they, they take. Admittedly, I kind of don't like how long they take. Yeah. But they they have no focus on mm-hmm. the fact that she's coming for so long that you almost you're just completely disarmed. Yeah. By the time she rises from the grave. Yeah. At some point, you know it's coming because you can just see it coming. Come, yeah. When you know what's coming yeah. because you see the case, but if you're a kid. Mm-hmm. You've forgotten what movie your parents said you were watching. Yeah, probably. In the first time it's you're like, watching wait, it, all of a sudden, where's what's this? I'd be like, what's like, this? What's like, this? It's magic everywhere. Well, I mean, think <laughs> as a kid, you're going, this is boring. Exactly. We're talking about weddings and marriage. I think girls are icky, or oh, vice versa. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you get you get up to the person like, um, I want, I need to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Three seconds later, I don't need to go to the bathroom anymore. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, mm. It's just done so well, and it's like, yeah. I kind of wish I could have seen this in a theater. Oh, yeah. But uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, that's my second like. What's your third like? My my sec- my third like and final like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine two of them because they're both really, really good scenes. I'd say something, but I cheated all last week. Yeah. So it's my time to cheat. <laughs> all right. So my third and final dislike, which is going to get like a two-parter. Like. Yeah, like is going to be a, a two-parter. Uh, it's going to be when Victor is in the underworld and we get the uh, the the great song of... I wouldn't say great song, but we get this really, really great jazz number from our, our, our bony friend. I can't remember his name. But um, that, that whole number, it'd be like mm-hmm. the, the way they use lighting and effects and like... It's beautifully well done it's so uh so artistic and 
the the use of the use of colors and use of light and the use of the how they created this character. He's so such an iconic character, mm-hmm. and um, there was a part of me I wanted to just to do a painting of him, so I might eventually do that because it's such a uh, such a unique design, such a unique right. design. I love that scene. Maybe but something the, will come up with your Inktober uh, things. Maybe. Um, I haven't looked through it, so I don't know which one it would okay. be. But the the second one I really wanted to bring up was uh, his living brought... Um, Victoria? Victoria. Victoria's paranoia once she realizes that Victor has, quote-unquote, married a corpse... And her her paranoia about it, the fact that her parents lock her in her own room, and that that whole uh, use the word again mm-hmm. tension, just tension. Like you feel the back, you feel her dread, you feel her be like her her need to do something. She's got to save Victor, but yeah. no one else will believe her. And you you get this 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 heightened emotion of. You know, Victoria's. I have to save my future husband from this this dreaded corpse, and mm-hmm. it's just so well done, so well executed. And the fact, you know, like throughout this movie, her parents don't care. Yeah, be like, oh, we we we've already found a substitute for you. You know, it, it's like it's like uh, the the big turn where uh, like in. Aladdin. It's kind of like Aladdin. Be like, oh, we've already found another suitor for you. Mm-hmm. It's this guy. What? <laughs> and then you know that turns into the the climax of the movie, which is incredibly well done. And so yeah, that is my number three. What is your third like? My third like is the character of Maggot. Oh, good one. Maggot is on the surface. Yeah. Another parody of the Austrian actor Peter Lorre, who admittedly was not in many horror movies until the end when he was working for Roger Corman. Yeah. But he's kind of that creepy guy that, like, everybody parodied. Uh-huh. Back in, like, the Looney Tunes parodied this guy a bunch. Yes, master. Kinda, yes. He kind of has an Igor look, but he never played Igor. He didn't? He never did. Really? I looked through his entire filmography until you get to, like, the the 50s yeah. when he's working for Roger Corman. He yeah. never played a horror part. Really? Which is weird because we all think of him as this horror character. Yeah. Kind of this Igor thing. He was even... This is actually the second movie we've done this month with a Peter uh, Laurie parody because he was... They used that voice... For the GPS in Hotel Transylvania too, but it was a different actor. That's right. Yeah. But it's the same type of parody. Yeah, that's right. You're getting closer. Yes. Brilliant. And the thing is, as much as I appreciate the Peter Lorre stuff, yeah. the character of Maggot in this, which admittedly, I think in the original, all the commercials for it, the only thing he had was the he was only the only time they ever showed him was the one-off character of the maggots being in her eye. Yeah, it's like where she goes, where he says something because she goes maggots. <laughs> you know, make it say, yeah. oh, it's just one of those things. Yeah, that one-off joke that huh? I assume this is as far as this character would go. Oh yeah, you realize he is actually her best friend. Exactly, 
And he is there more for her than anybody else in oh, that yeah. world. Oh, yeah. Kind of like her moral because support. Because he's her closest friend. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Uh, I stick and, out your eyeball. Yes. <laughs> he is just such a cool character. Agreed. And it's a character that they did not have to make this good. Oh, yeah. And it works so beautifully. It gives her someone to talk to when mm-hmm. uh, Victor is not with her. Yeah. It gives her a shoulder kind of to lean on. Yeah, kind of kind of like a counselor in a way. Yeah, when uh when she's feeling uh after she after she found out Victor uh wasn't getting his parents, he was going to hang out with Victoria. So she's feeling a little more blue than usual. Yes. <laughs> like they made that joke. Yes, they did. <laughs> um that character is just so well done and I I we don't get characters really like that. No. And the fact that it's a classic parody of an old actor yeah. that every cartoon has parodied at oh, some point, yeah, absolutely. it feels like. Yeah. Or at least has been parodied for, so, for since the Looney Tunes era. Mm-hmm. It brought me back memories of when I was a kid and I'd see uh-uh. this guy who I had no idea who he was being parodied by these by these cartoons. It's yeah. Because like, cl- that, that parody is such a classic cartoony creepy guy. Yeah. That it's almost a trope in and of itself. True. And I just appreciate them bringing that back and not just making that character a joke. Yeah. They made him the third most important character in the movie. True. And that's what I appreciated. All right. That brings us, I think, to the end of our likes. Yes. Which means now we need to go into our dislikes. What is your first dislike for this movie? My first dislike being critical of this film. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain parts, definitely with uh, Emily, our our corpse bride, where her movement gets really sluggish. It's like it's, she is a zombie. Well, I I agree with you, but there's so many other moments where like the animation is so smooth, like grass. Right. But you're saying the, it's the inconsistency. Yeah, there's inconsistency in the animation. Okay, where like you can literally see the steps in between. Like, okay, what did you do? Because you see throughout the entire movie, everything's smooth, like glass, smooth mm-hmm. like butter. And, and they apparently had a couple scenes where they were had to be in a hurry and they missed a couple shots. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you can see, like, she kind of stutters a little bit. I'm like, you were doing so well. What happened? I, I, was, I was slightly disappointed. Just a little. Just a little. With that. But there again, that's my critical eye and watching everything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is my number one. That is my first dislike. Considering your first dislike, I kind of have a feeling how this is going to go. Okay. I will say my first dislike you may seem kind of, you might think is a little weird. Yeah. I am not a fan of Tim Burton's music. Okay. So now I will say the songs work yeah. better here than I think the songs in Nightmare worked. I think they're better. the lyrics I think are better. I agree. I'm mostly thinking in terms of the lyricism, which yeah. I don't know how much uh, Tim Burton had to do with the lyrics. Well, but he in, usually writes both. Yeah, he he's does. Got that. But I think the lyrics work better in this movie than they did in Nightmare. Okay. And but once you get away from the the the, the musical songs, yeah, and you get to the composition of the incidental scenes. Mm-hmm. I can't remember any of the song music. There's nothing that really pops. Pops. It stays in my mind. It's a forgettable soundtrack. Okay. And there's really only, I think, one or two songs mm-hmm. that really stick out. One is the one you brought up with the, the jazzy number when they're telling her backstory. Oh, yeah. And uh, the one at the very beginning when there's 
with, with uh, the two parents, two sets of parents, and they're explaining yeah. the background between mm-hmm. you know this family is rich but has no uh, standing in the community. Mm-hmm. This family has is has aristocracy and everything behind them, but they no longer have any money. Yeah, which I'm thinking if you're land rich, sell the land. But at least get you a little bit of money and maybe do better with the money this time. But yeah. I don't know what went into that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, these two songs, they're good. Mm-hmm. The rest of it kind of is like, well, it's there. Yeah. It fills the spot. It does its job for the most part. But the soundtrack is just so... It's stale. That's yeah. the best word I can come up good, with it. That's a good word. It's a stale soundtrack. Now, for yeah. the most part, it works. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of scenes, especially in the Land of the Living, mm-hmm. it's kind of a stale environment. But yeah. even in the Land of the Dead, where we, it's so much more lively, it's still stale unless they're singing. Right. So, it, when you can't, when I can't even think of what scenes featured the soundtrack and which one were just sound effects in the background when i can't mm-hmm. distinguish that yeah that's bad yeah agree you need to it's it's either it's either being done so well that you can't tell where it transitions mm-hmm. or it's so bad that you just completely forgot about it yeah and this is a completely forgot about because i can't tell you one song that's not got lyrics where the music actually helped agreed it was just there. It may have swelled when it was supposed to, mm-hmm. but it didn't enhance I got you. the scene like music is supposed to do in a movie, especially a musical. Yeah. Which I didn't realize this was a musical going into it because I must have forgotten that part from when I first watched the movie mm-hmm. a couple years ago, but uh, 10 years ago. But yeah, it's just this is not one of Danny Elfman's best scores. And that's saying something for a composer I'm not a fan of. I got you. In the first place. So, yeah. that's my first dislike. What's your second? My second dislike is along those same lines. The The fact you, like you hit every note I was thinking of when it came to my second was the music is almost forgettable. Definitely your, your instrumental music is... And there again, Danny Elfman is an amazing composer. If you like his style. Yeah, if you like his style, he's really good. Like with... Uh, See if I don't get these two confused. Nightmare Before Christmas be like his his instrumental stuff mm-hmm. is a lot more memorable because I remember it is this, more memorable in that movie. It's a more memorable soundtrack mm-hmm. compared to Corpse Bride. So that's be the like, that's the weird thing for me. His soundtrack is better in Nightmare yeah. than it is in this one. But to me, his with the exception of this is Halloween. Yeah, in Nightmare, his songs are worse in that movie. Than they are in this one. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is. I was weird. like, why can't you have both at the same time? Yeah, you're one composer doing everything. You should be able to make this work better than those that have song songwriters and composers working together. You should right. be able. To, you should have more control over making all of it work better together. But that's just me. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be more the the. The songs themselves are, you know, the the written songs, not you know, the lyrical songs. Mm-hmm. Be like, like you said, they're almost forgettable in some in some in some aspects. With those two exceptions, yeah, with two exceptions. Um, and the first song is more like, you know, it's it's you know, it's that 
that atmosphere would be like yeah. it's 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 giving yeah. off. And but that first it's, one it's, is and the first one's most memorable because it's the first thing you see in the movie. So yeah, that's exactly. How it starts. That's that's the only reason I find it that memorable. Yeah, and some of the wordplay. Mm-hmm. The one, the jazzy one that you were talking about, yeah. is so it's probably the best song in the whole thing. Agreed. And even then, there's something that's not quite. Yeah, it, it is. It isn't quite quite there. hit. Yeah, it's good, but it's not. I mean, I wouldn't put it on my iPod. Yeah, agreed. That's the thing. Agreed. Yeah, it's just the the music and the instrumentals are a little blah. Blah. Let's. That's a good word. Blah. Yeah. What is your number dos? My second dislike. My second dislike is how forgettable both sets of parents are. Ooh, okay. Now, admittedly, Victoria's parents are a little bit more memorable considering they're in the story more. Yeah, that's true. But Victor's parents, really, after that first scene... They're yeah, gone. They are. They're yeah. It's literally they're they just, they they're, are they're background characters exactly. after the, after the after the initial setup. Yeah, they're background characters. We know they're Victor's parents. Yeah, but they don't ever do anything. Yeah, they basically they just, don't go looking for their lost son who's lost in the woods somewhere, or they don't send anybody out after him. Well, they did actually go. And they look, did. Yeah, they went and looked for him. I don't remember this. But that proves my point. <laughs> I didn't remember they went out and looked for him. Yeah. They are so forgettable because I think they're just the stereotypical British people. Okay. Whereas grumpy least, British people. Grumpy, yeah. Whereas at least Victoria's parents, they, A, they look, you've got the the short, dumpy guy mm-hmm. and the tall, evil stepmother kind of look. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Type of characters. Yeah. Where it's like, you yeah, they don't really love, they are, they admit they don't love their daughter. Yeah. Says, they don't even love each th- other. Who would have thought that this uh, girl with the face of an otter would be, would be our saving grace? I'm thinking, she's the best looking one in all these paintings. <laughs> On purpose. But, <laughs> exactly. You are the ones who don't know if she's actually the prettiest one and you could have married her off to anybody who with a heartbeat. <laughs> True. But, mm. uh, even then, while they are they're there in the story, and they are doing stuff, they are, for the most part, forgettable. Now, admittedly, they're secondary characters. Yeah, they're not the most important characters in there, and they do have my favorite scene mm-hmm. in the movie, which I did not mention earlier. My favorite scene, you'd think the two I mentioned, the two money shots, yeah. would be my favorite scenes. Right. No, my favorite scene is when all the, the they all leave and go, and they're talking about all the ruffians in the in their thing. Uh-huh. And it's like, who would believe all these people are dead? There's no way these people are dead. And they look around, and his grandfather is over there saying, son, why do you keep the liquor? <laughs> and they run off scared. Yeah. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. It's like, okay. That's one of my, that's my favorite scene in the movie because yeah. it's like that is the comedy I'm looking for, right? And that's the comedy most of this movie has. True. But other than that, I kind of forget those two are there, and I definitely forget Victor's parents are there mm-hmm. because as important the characters to the overall story that they are, being the the parents of the of the wedding couple, right? They almost aren't in the movie that Agreed. much. Agreed. 
as much as I would like. Outside of Victoria's parents just being absolute trash. Yeah, agreed. But, uh, yeah, that's my second dislike. Mm. What's your third? Oh. Honestly, I don't have a third. Because I, I honestly, because the, the, it's like, yeah, you have a little, like, tiny little flaws here and there with mm. this film. And um, the parents are not, you know, likable at all. And that's their yeah. design. They're not to be likable. They're not to be, uh, you know, given a, uh, it's like um, a status in this film. Because they're just, be like, they're, they're all for themselves. They don't care about these two people. Mm-hmm. They, but, like, Victor's parents... Sure, they care about their boy, but they're more concerned about, you know, gaining prestige and wealth. Yeah. They don't really care about Victor and Victoria. But I I'd be like, I really can't find any other fault. I'd be like, I might in a couple of days. It's like, oh, right. yeah, that one. But uh, as of this moment, I really cannot think of a third. Well, I do have a third. Okay. And it's a pretty big one. Okay. Barkus Bittern. Oh, yeah. He's a pitiful villain. Oh. Let me explain why. Yeah, okay. First off, the first time we see him is in the is in the beginning. He's yeah. throughout the entire movie. Oh, yeah. He's he's interlaced. He shows up at the wedding rehearsal with the ideas like, well, I'm horrible with dates. I So I came yeah, early. Yeah. Five minutes later. So who is she? She's, she? Is this your daughter? It's like you're... I understand the family didn't recognize you, but you would think you would at least know who the bride and groom of the wedding you're you supposedly supposed to be at yeah. is. I would, you'd think, at the very least, you'd know that much. Mm. Uh, the fact that he is Emily's murderer yeah. is painfully obvious from the beginning, killing all mystery as to who started all this. You know from the very beginning when after she tells the story yeah and you see her you see him over in the land of the living already trying to butter up victoria's parents like he's the one who killed emily yeah that's the only explanation for this character he's not just some guy who happens to be here and happens to be a pain in the butt no yeah he's done this before and now he's gonna try again he apparently didn't do enough of his research because he was stupid enough to not know that her parents weren't didn't have any money yeah which is entirely breaks down the entire reason he wanted to marry her in the first place. True. You think a person would do research before he did that? You'd think, but no. It's like, oh, they live in the bigger house. They're rich. Yeah, they're the rich ones. No, he's looks are deceiving. He's not a good villain in the fact that he's there's no mystery behind him. You know yeah. who he is from the beginning. Yeah. He's not a good villain because he doesn't do his research, so yeah. he's not menacing in any way. Yeah, there's a, there's no real deception right. in what his goal the is. The only reason he is the villain is they needed somebody, and they designed this character, and they made sure he was in every scene, so you kind of knew he was the villain from the beginning. Yeah. He's just the guy who shows up to be a pain in the butt. It's not even about... The, a good villain, the story is almost just as much about him as it is about the hero. Yeah. This is not a story about him at all. This is just—he's just the guy who keeps showing up to be a pain in the butt for everybody. Yeah. And so, since he's not a good villain, it unfortunately means it always because you, you judge your hero by how good their villains are. Yeah. 
him being a bad villain is a detriment to our heroes. Both of our heroes. Agreed. Both Victor and Emily. Yeah. And I, as much as I like Victor and Emily's story, the fact that their villain is not even really doing anything to stop them from doing what they're doing. They're right. not even fighting him. They no. don't even... Emily doesn't even know he's there until he shows up at her and Victor's wedding. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, you would think you would have a... If, if they and were, I know some of that was to just... Was to... Was so you could have the big dramatic reveal. Yeah. If you're... Don't do the dramatic reveal there. You kind of need to give us a better hint, a more... A, like I said, I, we know who it is from the beginning. Yeah. But she should be thinking, wait a minute, I know that guy. When she sees him from a distance. Yeah. They should do more to say, she recognize, She might know who this guy is, but she just doesn't recognize him off the yeah. top of her head. To give you an idea, is like, to give you some more suspense between the villains and the heroes, and oh, they yeah. don't do that. Yeah, they, they, they just lay it plain you know, as look- glass, with the idea of being like, this is our villain. Yeah, it's like, he's they- the villain. We're not doing anything with him. He's just going to do these couple things and just be a pain in the butt and yeah. butter up the uh, the uh, the parents of the people he thinks is rich. Yeah, the bri- the, the parents of the parents, bride. The, yeah. Which, admittedly, I also like that point where he says, "And now I'll uh, no, we'll leave after I get to die from your parents, and we'll and I'll be rich." It's like, wait, you, that's why you're here. You want my diary? My parents are poor. You're the one who's going to be saving us. Ha ha. <laughs> it's like. Uh, you are stupid. <laughs> exactly. It, it's it's, uh, it's it, it is a poor execution for a villain. It's a very bad villain. This is n- and and that's the thing. This villain, I had to stop and think of his name three times in yeah. the course of this review. Wow. Because I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. I can't, that is not true of Scar. True. That is not true of Ursula. Mm. That is not true of Oogie Boogie. <laughs> true. And he's almost as bad a villain as this guy is, because yeah. he's barely in the movie. Yeah. Lock, Shock, and Barrel are more villainous than Oogie Boogie is. Wow, okay. He is. They are. Trust sure. me. I mean, we've reviewed that. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned that, but honestly, yeah. looking back on it, they're much more villains than Oogie Boogie is. That is and I remember Oogie Boogie. Yeah. Gaston is a better villain wow okay in yeah, terms of what he does yeah agreed lord business from the lego movie is a better villain than this guy oh wow okay yeah that's that's a good point that's a very good point yeah the if they would have simply okay yeah <laughs> i'm just saying there uh, this has got to be the worst villain in any movie we've talked about hmm I'm just putting that out there. Oh, yeah, it, it, I, I, not, I agree Not every with you. movie we've done has had a villain villain. Yeah. This is a guy, movie that has whose antagonist should be classified as a villain for how he is. Yeah. And he's the worst one. I would agree I would agree with you on that. The the simple um His plot device is so be like you you see that course of what he's going to do from a mile away. Mhm. And you saying that really, really, I'd be like it, because on, on my okay. perspective, on my perspective, when it's like, oh, he's the villain, and it's like, okay, that makes sense. So if they would have, if they would have like played him up let more, me play like, this, let me throw this at you another way. Okay, 
three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, we reviewed Scoob. Yeah. Well, my biggest dislike of that, I, I think this is what, what I mentioned, okay. was the fact that Dick Dastardly was revealed as the villain so early on. Yeah, agreed. Dick Dastardly's a better villain. And Dick Dastardly's barely a villain in that yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's only a villain because he's the classic Hanna-Barbera villain. For the most part, Dick Dastardly's entire goal of that movie was to find his dog, which almost makes him respectable. Yeah, exactly. As a human being. Yeah, this guy isn't. This guy... You hate him to hate him. He's not even a... Dick Dastardly at least was a mustache twirler. Yeah, this guy is. Which is fun when it's done right. Yeah. This guy's not even a... This... I can't... I wouldn't trust this guy to tie a woman to the railroad tracks directly. (laughs) You'd be cackling too much, she'd run away from it. He would forget how to tie the flipping knots. He would not have figured out... He would not have taught himself how to tie the knot. Because that's how unprepared this guy is. Oh. I would agree. I would agree with you. He would probably forgot the rope. Yes. He would have gotten out to the railroad track, laid her down there, and go, oh, crap. I knew I forgot something. It's like, you are that horrible of a villain. And that is sad. That is my third dislike. We need to get into ratings. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, very good points. Very, very good points. Because I would have never thought that. Be like, yeah, I didn't like him as a villain. Because Mm -hmm. there again... Rejection was way out there. To me, there are three kinds of villains. Yeah. You have your, holy crap, this guy is evil. Yeah. And needs to be stopped. Yeah. You have your, uh, your pain in the neck, in it for myself. Mm -hmm. Everything is to help me. Or I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And it's going to backfire on me later because I chose the wrong thing. And then you have the mustache twirler, which is a villain for villain's sake. True. Who's there to just bask in the, the evil is uh-huh. another way to look at it is Sauron, Saruman, and uh, I just forgot the guy's name I was going to bring up. <laughs> Sauron, Saruman, and Snidely Whiplash. Snidely Whiplash. Okay. That's not the guy, but that's the only name coming to mind right now. <laughs> okay, okay. You have your Sauron, who is evil for evil's sake. Yeah. But in a bad way. Yeah. You have your Saruman, who literally does think he's doing the right thing to save Middle-earth, yeah. but is ultimately wrong. Yeah. And then you have Snidely Whiplash, who is there just to be evil for evil's sake. Yeah. Because it's fun. Exactly. <laughs> this this guy falls into... This is none of those three. No, this, he's, he's way down he's there. Down there, it's like, I'm here. And you're like, who are he's, you? I was the bad guy in Corpse Bride. You were? I don't remember you. Yeah, you There did. was a villain in Corpse Bride? Besides Death? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Death was a better villain. Yes, Death was a better villain in this movie. <laughs> because it literally separated people and did something. <laughs> yeah, because like you said, this guy, all he does is sit around and be like evil for evil's sake. And not in a good way. And not in a good way. He's not evil in the fact that he's... That actually, you feel the evil. He's not the Hitler. Yeah. In many ways. But he's also not the snidely whiplash that's evil for evil's sake, but funny. Yeah. He's neither of these things. Agreed. He's he's a thing that's a pain in the butt. He would be an antagonist in almost any other movie. Yeah. If it weren't for the fact that he was stopping two... He killed killed one bride and is stopping the wedding of another one. That makes you a villain. Yeah. Yeah. And he's doing both of them poorly. Really? Agreed. Completely agree. All right. 
So let's get into our <laughs> ratings. Okay, let's go, let's ratings. go to ratings. Let's I had in. a thought. I said no. We're past that. <laughs> ratings. All right. So what is your rating? I'm giving this an eight. Believe it or not. Okay. The animation alone gets it an eight. Agreed. Completely agreed. And there's and even with and what. What puts it? What would put it above an eight? Yeah. Admittedly, unfortunately, gets taken down by those dislikes, especially our not mm. even snidely whiplash level <laughs> villain. So I have to give it an eight because it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It uh-huh. was. It's something you want to see on a on a on a nice. I I really want to get a 4K Blu-ray with HDR of this thing. Oh yeah, because it's that beautiful, and I want to see more of the rich colors assuming there's more to see yeah because on the way i watched it it was already gorgeous yeah and i want more gorgeous if i can get it yeah i have to i can't rate it any lower than an eight but i can't rate it any higher than an eight either I got so you. eight okay and eight is pretty good in my opinion yeah but eight, eight is re- is a really high score yeah and i and like i said on animation alone it gets an eight. Oh yeah uh, I would definitely follow that. It's definitely got it's definitely got animation just gorgeous beyond belief. Uh, you like I mean I like the characters minus our villain. Um, the music is relatively forgettable in most part in yeah except for two parts. Be like the the jazzy number is just be like okay I enjoy that just animation wise uh, atmosphere wise gorgeous villain he's the twirling villain who does nothing he's not even a mustache twirler no mustache twirler would be fun yeah okay yeah so definitely an eight definitely an eight um if it had a better villain if they would have oh yeah if if, if they would have sown the seeds of giving us this great deception if they would have made the guy pardon the pun dastardly I would care more and caring more for and having a good, like I said, having a good villain yeah. enhances your heroes. Yeah. We don't get that. No. We, we just get the guy be like, Oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this and this and this. He does everything yeah. poorly. He, and ha- he the- says a, a few well-placed words and you're, mm-hmm. and you're and every, and up until the end of that movie, end of the movie, my thought every time he's on screen is what are you doing here? Yeah. You're obviously the bad guy. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You're just going to say, Oh, I showed up early for the wedding because I'm horrible with dates. You know, since he ran off, you should let her marry me. Yeah, it's because I've got money. As he says. As he climbs. Yeah, as he climbs. It's like... <sighs> yeah. That That's that's the big clutch on this film. <laughs> Apparently, Drew does not like this character. I, I completely agree with him. I've seen better. I've seen better villains in episodes of My Little Pony. Oh, wow! Yeah. Okay, that's saying something. That is really saying something. All right, so we we have we have we have rated our we have rated this film. We have heard Drew just <laughs> drill the snot out of our villain, who's not really a villain. So we reviewed it, we have rated it, we've smashed our villain to pieces, and he's gone. He's gone bye bye down to the underworld. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, 
Anything else? Only that you should join us next week as we review Monsters Incorporated with a very special guest. Indeed. That would be James Hamrick of the Franchise Fatigue podcast. Awesome. So join us next time as we uh, learn how to scare. Apparently. Something like that. I don't know. Join us next week. All right. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page. On Twitter at Jacob B. Heron. On Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. And on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, our RSS feed. If we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.